every artist is going to put their very all into their passion and what they love the most. However, his hands are in so many pots, and a lot of those pots he does well, and maybe that had some kind of doing ultimately with the end result of his, uh, of his album. Welcome to Musically Speaking, the podcast with your hosts, Luis and Pedro, where we discuss all things music, the business of music, and making your mark as an independent artist. We're glad you're here. So let's get this show started. All right, all right. Welcome to another episode of Musically Speaking, the podcast. My name is Pedro. And my name is Luis. What's going on, everyone? What's up, everybody? We are pretty excited to have a chance to chat. We do these episodes every once in a while that kind of keep everybody up to speed on what's going on in the yep. in the world of music. Some stuff you probably heard of. We'll dive a little deeper into that. Yep, that sounds about right. So I think it's a good time to get into a little bit of industry news. Music industry news. All right, and now we have spoken at length about Takashi Six Nine and his troubles with the law, but this was something that I've never heard, and I found it really interesting that he reportedly signed a ten million dollar record deal with his former label to produce two albums. But he's in jail right now, and he possibly either a might not get out, or he could be in some major trouble. If he actually decides that he doesn't want to go into witness protection. So I don't know what that means. Yeah, that's kind of bananas, bro. I mean, based on on his track record and what he's done in terms of, uh, you know, what they would call, you know, being a snitch and ratting out. And he's I'm sure he's generated a lot of enemies. I've even seen some clips of, of some of the folks that he's actually called out kind of saying, you know, look, you know, when you do stuff like that, stuff happens. I mean, from a label perspective, you need your artists to promote. You need your artists to perform. You need your artists to be in public. So I don't know. What I found interesting is that there has been some work towards putting together an album. In other words, beats have been purchased. There has been movement around curating some sort of music, some sort of art. The, the biggest problem is that the person that is supposed to be creating that might not be available. And I've done a little research, and, and there is a possibility that. Takashi might just probably, you know, put himself up in a in a hole somewhere and just record, right? Never really perform and just fulfill the commitment of the albums, sell, make money, and call it a day. But in today's world, Lewis, I don't know if that's really viable. You can't just make... This is not the Beatles era where you could just go to a studio and make a bunch of albums and call it a day. Right. You need to perform. You need to be on social media. You know, you're going to get left behind if you are not active in some sort of way. So I don't know how this is going to work. I mean, as I think about it, right, labels recoup their money from sales and streaming and the money that's really going to be lost and left on the table is, you know, public performances, uh, touring, that kind of stuff. So maybe, I don't know, maybe in the minds of the label, based on the way the music industry is now, you know, maybe that does work for them. I mean, look, they're putting up $10 million to 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 make this happen so you know i would hope that they have a plan or there's going to be one a and r there that's uh that's not going to be there for too long 
Yeah, I mean, it's a big investment, and they're definitely betting on the fact that they can recoup that money. I guess that's the big, the big plus here. But it's a very big risk. Indeed. And I'm sure that... I'm sure that the contract has clauses and all kinds of stuff in there, but uh, can you imagine that somebody in jail is actually making some better business moves than the people that are not in it? So <laughs> tell me about it. Quite, quite crazy there. Uh, and speaking of crazy, uh, we might as well call ourselves Nostradamus, is based on some of the awesome conversations that we had about the Super Bowl and how it was supposed to be in Miami in 2020. That's right. They revealed, they revealed who the artists are going to be. And what did we say? We said it's going to be that Latin flavor. It's going to be that Latin hotness. And boom, pow, we got J-Lo and Shakira. Which I, I think is a, is a good choice. My two favorite uh, female uh, artists in the world, by the way. I don't know. I mean, you're going to want a little bit more. I would have, I would have, you know, I mean, Pitbulls is in talks to perhaps perform. Just don't say Miami Sound Machine, please. No. Okay. Right. I think that that has passed. And and she has performed already. I would like to see them put on a, a good show. I think that that's what J-Lo is all about. Yeah. I mean, you're going to get that from J-Lo. And even Shakira. Shakira's a great performer. She's always been that way. And she's had really epic records. I think it's going to be an amazing, amazing show. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it should be fun, and I'm just glad that they did not abandon the idea that they are in Miami. They're going to want to have some sort of Latin flavor and, you know, just kind of that whole vibe that comes with that scene. Uh, so I'm glad they went that route. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't really make it too saccharine. Yeah, really yeah. Cool. I, and I have heard some rumblings from the hip-hop community who who have a strong base out in Miami as well. You know, we're talking about... Well, you have you have folks like Flo Rida as part of that kind of realm. You have Rick Ross. I mean, these are not exactly Super Bowl material. Right. But I, I, I mean, a little bit Miami bass sound or something like that. But again, I think J-Lo is going to be able to achieve some yeah. of that. But and you never know. There may be some prizes. There may be, you know, you may have some guest appearances. So let's let's uh, keep our fingers crossed. Yeah. So that's that's the official word. I'm sure there'll be some surprises and some things added to that context. Uh, I, I'm, I'm excited for it. You know, I, I love Shakira. I'm not a huge J-Lo fan, but I like Shakira. And I haven't, I haven't really heard much from Shakira. So it'd be good to have her kind of sing her hits and... Good, good to see. We'll see, and that's uh in uh, February of 2020, right? Yeah, early February. So the Super Bowl has kind of been bleeding into early February lately. Yeah, to be exact, February second, uh, 2020. Probably recap that a little bit later on. Uh, obviously, as we get more news about who might perform or what is going down, if there anything happens between now and then. For shizzle. And uh, looking forward to that. I guess the last piece about news out there might be a little old now, but it, there was still a lot of buzz about that. The Latin Grammys revealed who they were nominating, and a lot of folks were upset that reggaeton as a genre didn't get a lot of love. Uh, specific when it's the only thing I'm playing on the damn radio. It's crazy. Right. Uh, and, you know, specifically those in the reggaeton community were not happy that they weren't recognized for their work. In other words, there's no exact... Uh, reggaeton nomination or they don't have some sort of urban spectrum but uh, for me uh, Lewis it felt very similar to kind of what the rise of hip-hop was in the 80s and how long it took for them to recognize that genre as uh, in the regular Grammys 
as something worthy of being nominated and, and winning. I mean, you're talking about what, 1989 when it finally became something that right. they gave an award to. And by then, you're talk- we already had several legends in the scene and they didn't win anything. So yep. I-, I found it interesting. A lot of folks, there were, there were, there were two layers of this. One group was saying, who cares? You're making money. People are listening to your music. Why do you need an award? Whatever. And then another group was saying, if the old fogies in the Latin Grammy world aren't accepting our work, it's very hard for us to get paid and be considered a Grammy award winning artist and et cetera. You know, yeah, so- it matters. It matters. From an artist's perspective, it matters. You know, it, it's, it's a coveted moniker to put before your name even to be nominated i know we've heard artists like anuel and osuna you know kind of talk loud and clear about their frustration and i can understand that you know i think reggaeton has been the crossroads for a lot of genres you know you've seen a lot of hip-hop artists collaborating with reggaeton artists you've seen pop artists you've seen you know folks like enrique iglesias or or j-lo or fat joe i mean it's there's been a kind of a cross-pollination into this genre that's just so immensely popular on the airwaves and every time you turn on the radio you hear collaboration you you hear you hear this music that's become so universal so i think you know again we talked about this before i think when we reviewed the last grammys you know we were hopeful that they were kind of catching on to trends we were thinking they would be ahead of trends this is something that's unfortunate and like you said you know comparing it to to the hip-hop of the 80s it feels like they're behind step again which is a little frustrating. Yeah, I, I can definitely see the frustration of some of these artists who probably work really hard to not only get the attention of the fans and the adoration of the fans, but like you said, it does matter that you are recognized among your peers, right? Yeah. And perhaps it's just, in my opinion, maybe that's the wrong peers. I mean, if you look at the the body of the folks who are voting in the Latin Grammys, they don't consider, and maybe at this point, reggaeton to be a viable award-winning category or group of music. And that just might be the people who are voting. They might be old. I mean, when you have folks like Bossa Nova winning awards and I was like, who the hell is listening to that? So, you know, it could be, no no offense to those who love Bossa Nova, but you're not going to hear it on terrestrial radio. Right, right. Right. So it's, it's one of those things where it could just be that the body of those who are governing that world need to change. And that happens everywhere. Uh, You're seeing a lot of that in the movie world with kind of shifting the Academy Awards and the people who vote. The Grammys did that recently. They had to redo the whole body. So that's why you're getting all these different types of folks voting differently. Yep. And that could just be it, you know. And I, I definitely understand the frustration from the artists themselves. But like you said, or like we said, they they did not catch on quick enough. And it could just be, it might not be right away. It might take a little while longer. But, you know, you have folks like Daddy Yankee and Zion Lennox and some of these guys who are, in my opinion, massive legends of, of the genre. And, you know, eventually they'll get their due, which uh, yeah. is well, totally fine. And, and you know what, what as, we, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking, you know, maybe they're just looking at the Latin Grammys 
as the place for that. Maybe that's their thinking. Maybe they say, you know, that genre or those accolades belong or need to be there in order to make that flourish and make that, you know, sustain itself as, you know, as an arm of the Grammys. So maybe that's that's their thought process. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, if you're going to be able to achieve major success or in other words, get the respect that is deserved. I mean, can you imagine Outcast won album of the year at one point? for the Grammys, Mm -hmm. but it couldn't get there because they couldn't even get nominated at some point. Mm, So I think I understand. I understand where the reggaeton artists are coming from. They got to say, look, you have to at least get us in the door so that we can go on and actually gain the respect of perhaps winning album of the year, a Latin Grammy, producer of the year, etc. So I, I think that they should at least be recognized in some way, shape or form, even if it's not even in specific category yeah but pop something give him something and, yep. and get those folks in the door agreed uh speaking of making your way through the door i think it's a good moment to talk a little bit about a couple of things one uh we were kind of talking offline about chance the rapper who's going to be hosting and performing on saturday night live very soon and that's big in itself yeah, not everybody sure. gets to do Double duty's hard. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, you know, cause you have to, you know, performing is one thing and then being on a bunch of skits is another. And we talked a little bit about how I wasn't in love with his last album. A lot of people weren't either. It, uh, he actually joked about how his album didn't really crack Billboard 100 to the point where it was like a massive success, even though he did okay. Mm-hmm. But you know, he it was his first kind of official album. You know how we had was he was putting stuff out and they were either mixtapes, right? Or, as an independent artist, right? You know, it was this was like his first, you know, major album label, you know, big deal, and um, it was a little wonky, very heavy, lots of lots of tracks. It's hard to weed through them, but it was also a revelation of this album of him just saying, "Hey, I made it. I'm very happy to be here." And it didn't translate well. It didn't translate well to me. Mm. Um, I just felt that he was almost boasting. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I don't. I don't know. You know, there's some albums that declare happiness translate well. I don't think this one did, and it happens a lot in hip hop. I mean, I, there's not a lot of hip hop albums that I can tell you that are of the happy nature, then I'm like, I love this album. It's mostly dark, gritty, uh, you know, confessional. Yeah. To me, he always pulls double duty. For me, as an artist and someone, as a fan, you know, I not only see him as Chance the Rapper for his music, but I think he's made some great strides in his acting career. I think he is a proponent for the independent artists. So you often find him, you know, on panels at music conferences talking about, you know, the importance of owning your own rights and your your music. And he's kind of found a way to kind of be tapped into all segments of the industry, which I think uh, sometimes may take a toll on the music side of it. And maybe this was one of those instances where, you know, he didn't put as much what. Most, I mean, look, every artist is going to put their very all into their passion and what they love the most. However, his hands are in so many pots, and a lot of those pots he does well, and maybe that had some kind of doing ultimately with the end result of his uh, of his album. That's an excellent point. 
That's an excellent point. I mean, if you look at folks that have done that kind of world well, uh, Will Smith is a pretty good example of that, where he was putting out some music and winning a ton of awards and, and selling a bunch of albums and making movies and doing all this. Right. You know, eventually something's got to give. I think that, and we talked about this a lot, your work, you're going to consider it being your best work. So he probably recorded 50 tracks and he put out 19 that he felt were the best. Yeah. But it's all about how the audience perceives that, right? Right. right. And, you know, this world moves way too quickly. By the, you know, his anticipated full label album took months. I was waiting for this to come out forever. And it just seemed like it was anticlimactic. <laughs> I feel you, brother. I feel you. But I mean, but 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 talking about Chance, look, he is uh, he has a new Netflix series um, out right now named Rhythm and Flows, uh, where he's a star judge along with uh, Cardi B and T.I. So, look, yet again, another project he's jumped into, got his hands on um, that seems to be somewhat, you know, somewhat successful out the gate. Yeah. And Netflix has been one thing, you know, not to divert too much. I think Netflix is carving themselves a pretty good niche. Oh, yeah. In terms of uh, documentaries and certain movies and some of these types of music related shows. Mm-hmm. You know, because they're going to have to get original to be able to continue to keep people paying for this service. I mean, Disney Plus is probably going to blow them out of the water. So I like that they have things like this to keep me interested and keep me watching because it's going to be important for their success. Yeah, and a lot of major actors and, and artists alike are, you know, kind of circumventing the silver screen and going straight to Netflix to, to have their own series. Um, I've seen a lot of TV series pop up and shows like this, you know, and, 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 and it's been a, a kind of a, a good thing, you know, good thing for Netflix. I think, like you said, I think they're carving this niche. And Hulu is not too far behind because they're, they're, they're kind of starting to do the same um, but I think Netflix, as as we've talked before, in terms of music, in terms of documentaries, behind the scene kind of stuff, I think Netflix has been nailing it on the head for the past year or so. Yeah, and, and Hulu takes a lot of risks, which I like. You know, Netflix can't do that so much these days because of where they are and who what they're considered. I mean, if they take a risk, they're going to pull the plug quickly. But, uh, you know, you were talking about... Uh, Wu-Tang and American Saga, which is out on Hulu. And I haven't gotten a chance to see it, but you have. And what were your thoughts on, on that show? Yeah, great. So you know, actually what I'm going to do is I, I'm going to I'm gonna recommend it. So uh, let's jump into uh, to our recommendations for the, for the week. Music, books, podcasts, articles, just the good stuff. From their library to yours. Musically Speaking recommends. Right. So, Lewis, you highly recommend Wu-Tang and American Saga. It's the story. You tell me. It's a story of Wu-Tang, right? Their creation, right? Yeah, based on their true story of how they kind of started their thing in the early 90s. And so it's set in the early 90s. So it brings me back to the days in the BX and growing up, growing up hip hop. Just a lot of uh, reminders of how, you know, we all grew up in the hood and and, and the projects. Uh, It's very slow walking, right? So they're up to, I think, by the time you hear this episode, maybe episode 10 is season one. So I'm I'm only, I I believe they're, they're scheduled for season two as well. 
So I don't know how many episodes are in season one, but they're up to ep- episode 10 at this point in uh, in mid-October. And uh, it's a great story, man, because it's not really a documentary, right? So it's more of a dramatic TV series that has all the dramatics of TV, right? Has has the the suspense, the the fear, the the laughter, the the drama, kind of all rolled in, telling this story about this amazing hip hop group that uh that blessed us with with great music. So uh, it's definitely a great watch. You know, you can probably jump and binge watch it up to episode ten. They release an ep- new episode every Wednesday, and it's exclusively on Hulu. Definitely check that out. It's an amazing, entertaining, and uh, it'll bring you back if you love hip hop. Now you did mention that they're they're going at a bit of a slower pace because they want to develop the characters and make sure that everybody kind of gets a feel for who these folks are as people before they become artists uh, but what about the music what that what about the piece about kind of them being creative and how do they portray that on the show by episode nine the the group hasn't formed yet so that just gives you a sense of how slow walking they're doing to keep you kind of interested and like you said getting invested in the characters and understanding the behind the scenes and how they become with, you know, where, where they gotten. So, um, and maybe it's their plan to make you kind of itch for the music. Like I'm waiting for those moments. I'm waiting to hear, you know, those classic songs and, and see them in the studio and see where, where, where the creative process came from. So I'm itching for it. So I think that they're purposely doing that. Who knows? Maybe season two is when we start seeing actual Wu-Tang music, but they're doing a great job of of walking you there. So I definitely highly recommend it, um, especially if you love hip-hop, if you want to understand the Wu-Tang story and how critical they were at a certain period of time of hip-hop and really putting Staten Island on the map because there was no other artist until Wu-Tang that put, that, that, that put Staten Island on the map. Right. You know, Staten Island was always seen as almost a suburb section of New York City. Yeah. And maybe always glamorized a bit by, you know, the world of mobsters. And, you know, they always were like, ah, you know, there wasn't a lot there. They really characterized what was it like to live there. It was just so isolated. It still is to this day. So Yeah, you got to take a ferry really, to get there. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's a really good interpretation of what that feels like. And I think for those who aren't as familiar with New York City, if you're not from the area, even for those who are and don't ever have to go to Staten Island, I think this is a good way to see this is what life was like over there. Mm-hmm. Not very different from maybe uh, an from the urban... BX or Brooklyn yeah. or yeah, Queens. Yeah, absolutely. So all good stuff. Hopefully, I'll get a chance to check it out and binge. Now that uh, here in New York, it's starting to get cold. This is usually yeah, around yeah. the time of year. Definitely do it, man. Sit down, maybe over Thanksgiving weekend. You know, I got nothing going on. Maybe watch some of that. So all good stuff. This concludes another great kind of smorgasbord episode of. Musically speaking, the podcast. Hope you all had a good time. Don't forget to subscribe, like, give us some good ratings. Check out the website, musicallyspeakingpodcast.com, for past episodes and show notes. And we'll check you out. Yeah. 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 And leave us a review. Leave us a review. Yeah. Definitely uh, check us out. And we appreciate you checking in. And we will catch you on the next one. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to Musically Speaking with your hosts, Lewis and Pedro. Be sure to visit musicallyspeakingpodcast.com for show notes, past episodes, and our blog. Please subscribe, like,